What's it been like listening to all of these interviews as kind of a collection or a body of work as opposed to individual conversations? Welcome to This Is Gonna Hurt, Widows Mentoring Widows. I'm Patty G. In February of 2015, I suddenly became a widow. I'm hoping this podcast helps other women navigate widowhood. In this, the final episode of Season 1, Juliet Fromholt, Program Coordinator for Radio Station WYSO, interviewed me at the beginning of this project and at the end. The first part of this episode focuses on my initial experience as a widow. I considered not sharing this interview. In our conversation, I say that the sympathy cards and flowers made me angry. I realize now that I was angry because I wasn't ready to accept Paul had died. I have read all the kind and thoughtful cards that were sent. I just had to wait until I was ready. In the second part of this episode, Juliet asks me to reflect on my experience creating this podcast and what I hope listeners take away from these conversations. We begin with Juliet referring back to a comment I made earlier in the interview about how my response was different than what I would have imagined. At the beginning, you said that there were other young widows in your life, your mother, your grandmother, your sisters-in-law, and that the picture in your mind of how you would grieve, you had one perception, right? and that was not the reality. So tell me, how did you think, should this ever happen to me as you were looking at these other women? Were I in their position? What was your impression of how you would deal with that grieving process? What you what you thought would be, you know, your your reaction to grieving like this? Okay, that's a very good question. So, first of all, I really thought this whole wearing a wedding ring and just showing loyalty to my husband that I would do that continually. I really needed to get his clothes out of the house like within a week. Maybe and time is it's very fluid, so maybe it wasn't a week, but it was very, very soon, and I would have thought that I would want to keep his clothes. I, I really need, for some reason, and I've read this recently, I just had this urge to shed our sympathy cards. Of course, people should send sympathy cards. I send sympathy cards, but when I was in the throes of this, I could not stand those sympathy cards. When I would open the mailbox and there wasn't a sympathy card in there, I would be so relieved. The flowers. I did not like the flowers. So, you know, anytime I got flowers, I gave them away immediately. I could not have them in my house. I have another friend whose husband died, and she kept every single flower because she wanted to keep something alive. And I just think that's so beautiful. And I was just so the opposite of that. So I think a lot of these things of that I thought I would treasure, and it's not that I treasure the memory. To me, it, I, it seemed false. It wasn't him. All I wanted was him. And th- having a shirt of his wasn't him. And having my wedding ring didn't mean I was married. And I felt like those things were lies for me. But I would have thought that I would have been this loyal, you know, you would look at me and know that I still loved my husband. <laughs> I thought I would be that kind of um, model for people. And, and that is not the way I responded at all. Did you find at any point as you were, you know, making these choices and, and having these reactions of, I, I don't want the flowers, I need to get rid of this stuff, was there any sort of dual feeling of of guilt because that's the way that society portrays widows? So was there any 
feelings of guilt or hesitation like, oh, am I am I reacting the right way? No, that's a really good point because, yes, I did feel – I just felt like maybe I was an outsider. I thought maybe there was something wrong with me because until you're in this, you don't know. And now that I look at it as more shedding – it, it makes more sense. And it was sort of like a flight. Like you think you go to fight or flight. And I was kind of an angry flyer is how I would describe that. I was driven. I was in this big house that we had been in for 20 years. Every day I was tossing stuff, recycling, going to Goodwill every day for months. I was driven. There was no stopping me. I didn't really think about it. I just knew I had to get up in the morning and start tossing things. So when I when that finally settled down, whatever that energy was, like I look at that now, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that now. I don't know where that energy came from or why that was so important. And I also made a, the decision to sell the house and move. When I look back at my journals, it was within a month. It took over a year for my house to sell, but that was the decision that I was moving. The house was being sold. I I found a realtor, and anything you read tells you to not do that. But I guess I would think if there's something, a voice in you, and you know yourself to listen to that more. Was there a particular moment or a particular step that helped the anger start to recede? Or did it just kind of happen over time without you consciously realizing it? I really had to think about what was making me angry. And of course, Paul dying made me angry. But I really felt that term widow and having to be a widow, that made me angry. I can't really tell you why. It just felt like a weight. And so that was something I really struggled with. I didn't like being called a widow. I don't like being called a widow. Um, I end, When I'm talking to other women who've lost their, their spouses, there's a little camaraderie there. But um, there were a couple of things that I did that helped me kind of get through this uh, one day, it was, I don't know, it was about six months later or something. It was I woke up and it was one of those beautiful days where it had frozen overnight and there was ice on everything. And I went outside with a camera and I found a spider web that looked perfect in the ice. So I took a picture of that. And I just decided from that day on that I was going to look for a moment of beauty and take a picture with my camera. So I did that pretty well until like the last six months, probably buying this house (laughs) slowed me down. And some days it would be like a picture of my shoe. But every day I would look for a moment of beauty. And that did start opening things up because I'm a pretty positive person. There was a couple of things. I'm a positive person, so I don't like feeling that dark and with Paul dying so suddenly, I thought, what if I die tomorrow? And my last week has just been me being sad. I struggled with that a lot as well. And then uh, Memorial Day a year ago, I woke up and I was just sort of fighting because it was Memorial Day. So I was thinking about what that meant to me. And I was just fighting with this thing, being a widow. And all of a sudden I thought, well, what if I'm not a widow? What if the rest of my life, what if I'm the woman Paul loved? Because the woman Paul loved was happy. The woman Paul loved, I think it's funny, you know, the woman Paul loved has a positive attitude. And that, for me, changed everything. Shedding the title widow and living each day, I'd get up, have a hard day and think, well, today I'm going to be the woman Paul loved. And the woman Paul loved got up happy in the morning, you know, had a temper, obviously, but um, it just took away the weight of being a widow. 
And I think that's another reason that I would like to provide this podcast is that however you respond is right. It is okay. There is no right or wrong. And you can't, I don't think you can predict it. So rather than, you know, feeling guilty, it would be much better to just experience it so you can eventually let it go. How are you balancing or thinking about balancing sort of your identity as, you know, the love of Paul's life versus Patty, the person here today, um, you know, who is a, a single woman and a new grandmother and, and you know, living, living your life and a professional and all of these things. Um, have you thought much about how that balance exists? Yes, because every now and then I think, why am I doing this podcast in a way? Because that keeps me connected there. Because like I say, it was a year and a half ago where I had this moment of I'm going to be the woman Paul loved. And I would say at this point, another year and a half later, that helped me get to this new stage of who am I now? I do want to be a role model for my daughters, that if this unfortunately happens to them, that they see an option of being strong, they see an option of of being fully yourself and moving forward, because hopefully I have 30 more years. And so I don't want them seeing me just being a widow. And I don't think they do, but that is part of the problem with, like I say, a couple of times I thought, well, maybe I don't need to do this podcast. But then I do have friends who are recently widows, recently lost their husbands, and we've talked, and I've been sharing what I've learned. And for them to just be able to be so honest with how they're feeling, I just, I also would like to support women that way. I was trying to figure out so we talked in the summer yes okay so we talked in the summer i think i think you had done maybe two interviews probably maybe and at the time uh we were sort of talking about this process and sort of where where you were in in your own journey of grieving and and widowhood and all of that and i remember you saying that um, anger was a big thing and sort of using that anger to propel you forward. Yes. So where where are you now? Would you say that that is still a through line or has that evolved into, into something else? I think the anger has dissipated. I really think that was an energy to be able to get things done. And it was my friend. I sort of miss it because it's been replaced with a, a big sense of melancholy and just... Um, just really missing Paul. And I've been re-listening a lot to the interviews and Tony's comment of grief's going to find you. Grief has its way with you, has really come back. And it's, again, these things are all comforting to think, okay, this, in, in two weeks, it'll be three years. And time is different in grief. And melancholy was going to find me. With this podcast process ending seems to be something that's triggering missing him because he would have loved it. I don't know if I mentioned uh, in the previous interviews, but Paul and I were uh, volunteer DJs at a radio station. So we, our love of radio, we've shared since we were dating. I think he would have um, been very involved in 
had a lot of opinions and <laughs> taken over in his way, but he would have loved this. So it's all ironic. And so I know a big part of me doing this was part of my grieving and, and, and remembering him. So now that it's done, I really miss that I can't share it with him. And then what's my next project? Well, I do have a next project, actually. Um, apparently, that's how I do this. And over Christmas, I asked all of his siblings, cousins, and some friends to write me a story about Paul. So when I have a little more time, I'm going to create a book called Grandpa Paul for all our, my grandson and our future grandchildren so they remember him. I know in some of the interviews I asked, how are you remembering your spouse? And I was saying, I don't think I do anything, but I think I do. You found something. I think the pod podcast I was doing without realizing it, and then now this book. It, it is important for me to just kind of keep him remembered. Let me ask you about the process of working on the podcast. I know that one of your... Um, concerns going into it, you know, there, there were a lot of exciting things about it. But one of your concerns was that sort of by going through this process of really examining grief and widowhood and all of that was going to perhaps stall your own grieving process and, and sort of keep you in sort of one stage of grieving when, you know, perhaps if you weren't working on this, you'd be moving on to the next step. Do you feel like that happened? Or how do you feel like that played out? Were, were your, did your fears come true? Did it manifest in the way you thought it was going to? Not at all, really. This started, I think the first interview was 10 months ago. And so there's been starting and stopping and trying to get everybody's schedules and all those things. And every now and then in the middle of it, when I would go back to the interview, I would, I would ask myself, why am I doing this? Am I going backwards? But every time I listened to those interviews, those women had such important things to say. And they helped me, uh, not to be selfish, but they helped me again and again because there's this new place you are. And there were things that were said that I don't think I heard the first time. Plus, I have several friends who have lost spouses, and I know that what they hear in these podcasts are going to be helpful to them. So every time I would re-listen to an interview, I would go back to the enthusiasm. But sometimes when there was a pause, I, I would ask myself, do I really want to be doing this? But now that it's been completed, I'm really happy that it was accomplished. The other thing was I started this because I had things I wanted to say. And that's one reason I was grateful for the interview we did because I didn't want the interviews with these women to me just sort of been waiting to say what I want to say. So once I said it all to you, I wasn't in that position. And I'm grateful because that gave them a lot more room to talk. And by the end, if it were up to me, I really wouldn't have needed to say anything. They really were so honest and raw and willing to share that that part of it was way more successful, if that's the word, than I initially thought it would be. What's it been like listening to all of these interviews as kind of a collection or a body of work as opposed to individual conversations? Because many of these interviews stemmed from your individual conversations. You know, you you and Tony, for example, who sort of inspired the whole project, you had had some conversations that, that made you want to interview her. And with Stacy and Larissa, you had had conversations, you know, here and there. But hearing 
Tony and Larissa and Stacy and Marilyn and Diane kind of all together back to back as you've been working on on these. What has that experience been like or or what are you hearing um, kind of as these women are sort of speaking to each other uh, as you're editing? I like that because they are speaking to each other. Stacy and Larissa know each other, but the rest do not. So my initial thought was, well, I'll kind of go by topics. I would do an episode on finances and ask everyone about finances. And the wedding ring comes up a lot that I would do an episode on wedding rings. And But then as I was listening to them, it was the flow of conversation and a lot of the things they would share within that conversation that was way more important than my topic of the day. And as I re-listened to them, as as Tony said, grief has its way with you. That's been, been helpful. Just the title, This Is Gonna Hurt from Larissa. I've just thought of that this weekend as I was finishing up some editing and then really missing that I can't tell Paul. I thought she's right. This is this is just gonna hurt. And that was as comforting as it was the first time. Uh Stacy's sharing of her faith, I always find that enviable. She's so honest. And her interview actually had me at closest to tears than than the rest. And Marilyn, there were some parts we had to edit out. Uh, she talked a lot about her faith as well. But again, her support with finances. Now that I have these uh, friends newly into widowhood, that really is, whether we like it or not, such a huge part. And I use so much of what she said or offer to help uh, with these friends. And that is not something I would have thought to do before this. And then Diane's interview the tenderness in her voice. I didn't hear it at the time when we were interviewing, but her kindness and tenderness really comes through. And her statement, open yourself to love, I've shared that over and over again. So it's a collection, even though sometimes we hit the same topic, the collection itself, I think, really addresses a lot about grief. And there's a lot more, obviously, and there's all different kinds of grief. But I think women in this situation are going to find something that they identify with. And even if it doesn't solve grief, knowing you're not alone, feeling a little less isolated, I think that's a positive outcome. What was something that was surprising about this process, whether it was the interviews themselves or or just the process of making this whole, this whole podcast? Because um, sort of to get behind the scenes, you are really doing all of it. You know, you're not just the interviewer. You are then taking these interviews that you've done, editing them, putting them together, figuring out, you know, is it going to be topic based or is it just going to be a conversation? And this is your first time really doing doing something like to this degree. I know you did radio before. So what's something that's been surprising about this process? Well, that part has been big because I guess I thought at the beginning that I would just be doing the interview and then I would hand it off to the community voices. But I think it's wise to say, okay, this is your project. So how is this going to sound and look? And so listening over and over, I would hear different things every time. So that would surprise me. And then listening over and over, I would think, oh boy, this is bad. I beat I didn't <laughs> I got a little too attached and then go back to it. But the learning process I've really enjoyed and I want to continue using what I've learned. Um, picking out the music was really fun because I wanted it to somehow, there's little subliminal things to Paul. And he was a meteorologist, and the title of the music is Wind. 
and it was something when we were dating, we used to love to go out in the wind and, and just him being a weather guy. When I hear that music, that means a lot to me. Now that it's done, I really do have a sense of pride. Not only that, you know, we had the seed of an idea, and I'm so grateful for WYSO and Community Voices for saying they would support that idea, but that it came to full fruition. And you're right, when I hear it now, I, I know that I, that was my project, and I do have a, a sense of pride, and I'm looking forward to asking people to listen. What do you hope that that someone coming to this podcast what are what are sort of your hopes for your listeners? I guess I would say I hope that they feel less isolated. I hope they feel less judged. I hope they feel like they can whatever decision they make is okay. If they packed up their husband's clothes the next day, that's okay. If they still have their husband's clothes a year later, that's okay. The wedding ring issue is bigger than you think, and I hope women decide that's their decision and not anybody else's, because as I I think came up several times, it seems to be a public opinion. And I think that's a surprise to anyone in widowhood. And so I hope women listening are gentle with themselves and say, this is whatever I'm doing is okay. If I, I sold my house within a year, a lot of people were thinking that wasn't the greatest idea. That's okay. That, that is something I needed to do. So that's really what I hope, that you just accept where you are in your journey, not be judgmental, not hold these high standards. I thought Tony did a great job of being honest, saying, I'm going to be the best griever. And I think women do that. I know I just wanted to fix it. I'm a fixer. I think when I look back of, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. Okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix things. I'm a doer. And you don't fix grief. You're not going to go to a group counseling session and be the best griever in the room. So I think we've all learned a little bit of that lesson. Larissa, in her interview, and I didn't hear this the first time, but she said several times, don't force yourself to make decisions you're not ready for. Everything you do should be moving you to coming to peace. And that was a a very important thing to say. So I hope there's something like that, that you have a moment and then you hear something someone said in, in these last five weeks, and it can carry, carry it with you and, and give you some peace. You mentioned wanting to be a fixer and being a doer, and I, I identify with that too. As you began going through this process, how much of that was sort of driving the project forward, and how much of that did you have to sort of set aside to let the interviews kind of do their own thing? It really helped that you and I did the earlier interview because I don't know, I, I think I would have had, as I said before, in the back of my mind, I think, I think this needs to be said. So once I had that opportunity to just say it earlier, that was totally gone. The fact that this was part of my grief process, I do not think I understood until I finished editing and handed off the first episode. All of a sudden, I had this feeling of, oh, I think this was more about my grief for Paul. I didn't know that. I thought I was doing a project, but it was way more intertwined than I realized. But I did not know that until the end. And I would think I was an introspective person, but I think I'm learning I'm not. (laughs) You know, it wasn't until that very end that I'm like, oh, this is really connected to Paul and my grief. Is there is there anything else that you would want to share with 
your listeners imagining that, you know, we're, we're sitting here five weeks from now. Uh, the podcast has launched. They've gotten a chance to listen to these, these conversations. And um, is, there, is there anything that you would want to leave your listeners with as we wrap up this first season? I thought about that a lot um, the last couple of days. And I guess it really just goes back to the title that, you know, this is the third anniversary or coming of Paul passing. And I've gone through a lot and I've been very busy and done this and done that. But it's just like Larissa said, this is going to hurt. It doesn't hurt as hard, doesn't hurt as often, but this is going to hurt. Thank you for listening to This Is Going to Hurt, Widows Mentoring Widows. It was a true honor for me to interview Tony, Marilyn, Larissa, Stacy, and Diane. Please share this podcast with anyone you think may be helped in big or small ways. I appreciate everyone's support through these past weeks. If you'd like to send feedback, ask questions, or share your own story, feel free to email thisisgonnahurt1 at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening.